God for us today that we'll consider is from the Gospel of, of St. Mark. And we're, we're walking our way through the Gospel of Mark. It's, it's after John preaches. It's after Jesus is baptized. It's after the temptation. It's after John is put into prison. This is when we get to this moment in Jesus' life where Jesus' ministry publicly and, and forcefully begins. Uh, we're calling this series a day in the life because after this initial call that Jesus issues, we, we Mark pauses for a moment. And for, the rest of for most of the rest of chapter 1, Mark just takes us through a day in Jesus' ministry. Mark does that once in a while. Mark is, is prone to just boom, 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 one thing after another. But every once in a while, he just put, he puts everything into slow motion. And you just, you stop to see the details and the moments in Jesus' life. And so this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is the beginning of our series. This is the beginning, uh, a new beginning perhaps for us of following after Jesus. Please stand as we listen to the gospel from Mark chapter 1. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. W would you pray with me as we begin this morning? Lord Jesus Christ. You, you promised to show us yourself in your word. You, you promised that through your word, ears are open, hearts are open, hearts are set free from sin and guilt. We are set free to live and to follow after you. We pray, open our ears today. And, and I pray especially that the words of my mouth, the words that I say to your people, and, and the, the hearts that hear them and receive these words, I pray that my words and their hearing would be blessed by you. Let these words, O oh God, in the meditation of our hearts, let it, all, let it all be pleasing in your sight, God. You alone are our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. January 2nd, 2023, might, and I say might, prove to be a pivotal moment in, in, the, in the faith life of our nation. Time will tell. And I'm not saying that because that's the day my sister was born. I'm not saying that because that's the day my daughter was born, one of them anyway. Though those are certainly important dates, I'm talking about what happened last Monday during Monday Night Football. Buffalo Bill Demir Hamlin suffered a cardiac event there on the field. The game was paused and eventually postponed. It might have been canceled by now, I'm not sure. I don't follow football that closely. 
But what happened after the event has been kind of a cultural moment that I've been paying attention to. Maybe you have too. The Wall Street Journal wrote a post that said, that said something about Demir Hamlin and, and football showed that faith is not dead in America. Uh, the, the New York Times wrote an article about how faith and football always, the Christian faith and football always seem to belong together. And, and if you followed the headlines, if you followed the stories, you maybe know what I'm talking about. Uh, people, they were, there were prayers, Christian prayers spoken at midfield. There were prayers, Christian prayers spoken outside the hospital where he's been receiving his treatment. Pray, players, when they talk about what happened, they don't just offer up the customary, we're offering up thoughts and prayers. They talk about Christian prayers to the one and only true God. See, after something happens, it's always interesting to note what comes after. What happens after the cardiac arrest? What happens after this event? What happens? It's gonna, time will tell what this moment means. Maybe it will mean nothing in the long run. Or maybe we'll notice a, surgence, a resurgence of faith in our country. What's going to happen next? And it's not just Demir Hamlin's cardiac event last Monday. It's, there are events like this that happen all the time. I don't think I have to work too hard to prove that to you, do I? We, we talk about the before things and after things when we talk about any sort of war that we've been involved with. We, we talk about before the Twin Towers and after the Twin Towers. We, we talk about before the coming of cell phones the during, the, the coming of cell phones, and now we're in the after where cell phones have just become part of our bodies. We talk about the before and after. We talk about, we've even begun to talk about the before COVID and the after COVID. We're always talking about what comes after this, this event, both painful or pleasant. We're always thinking about these major moments in our lives. We're talking about what comes after, and it's it's big events in the world, but it's also personal events in our lives. What, what happens after the surgery? What happens after the diagnosis? What happens after the birth? What happens after the new job? What, what happens after the job loss? What happens after all these things take place? We always want to know, God, what's coming next? And we, we start asking questions like, God, you, you tell me that your kingdom is coming. You tell me that your kingdom is advancing with force. But now, God, how? After this, what are you doing? Greg Finke, in this book that we often talk about here when it talks about evangelism and outreach, he says, how is God messing with you? How is God messing with you to show you that the kingdom of God is, is moving forward? How is God messing with you in your life to, to press that kingdom forward? What's God up to? That, that's the question that, that really Mark tries to answer for us. See, Jesus talks to us about the ministry of John the Baptist in Matthew. He talks to us about the ministry of John the Baptist. And he says, since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has been advancing with great power. And he says, forceful people take hold of it. The kingdom of God has been coming with might and power. And John was. I mean, he was a little crazy. He was a little eccentric. He, he ate bugs for lunch and he, and he wore camel's hair clothing as a robe. But people came to him and he, and he came with such a presence. 
And, and with such a strong, authoritative message, the people looked at John and said, John, are, are you the Messiah? Are, are you the Christ, the one who was to come? That's why John had to say to them, no, no, it's not me. One more powerful than I is coming, the one whose sandals I can't stoop down to untie. See, John was this major historical figure. Jesus says, no, since the days of John, John, no one greater than John has come. But then John got thrown in prison. That's how Mark begins this little section of the gospel. After John was put in prison, he doesn't bother to tell us the details, but everybody knows who reads the gospel knows what happened. John was put in prison by Herod, who, because John was preaching against Herod's relationship with his brother-in-law, brother's wife, and then John was beheaded. And, and so John's readers, and maybe we with them, can start to ask the question, after, after John was put in prison... What's God up to? What's going to happen next? What comes after? Mark doesn't really leave us to wonder long, does he? In, in fact, this little statement after John was put in prison, it's, it's kind of like a time stamp. Mark doesn't offer many of them. It, it's kind of like a time stamp on, okay, this is when this thing happened. After John was put in prison, Jesus came preaching. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The people, the people in Mark's day, the people in Jesus' day, they had been waiting for a long time. And I, I think you know that. There was such a longing and yearning in their hearts for this kingdom of God. Just read, get to know some of the people who saw Jesus for the first time. Zechariah and Elizabeth. When Zechariah sings his song after his tongue is finally let loose by God's spirit, what does he sing about? Praise be to the God of Israel because he has come to redeem us and to set us free from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. That's what he sang. He was waiting. He was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. When Simeon and Anna, they, when they went to the temple every day because they were waiting for the, the coming of the Christ, the restoration, the reconciliation, uh, the, the coming of the kingdom. And when Simeon held him in his hands, what did he say? I've seen it. He didn't see with his ears. He saw with his eyes and he held this baby, this, this king in his hands. See, they were all waiting they were waiting for the king. They were waiting for the kingdom. They were waiting for, for relief and rescue. And that's what comes after, isn't it? Jesus said the, king, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. And here's what, he's, here's what he means. This is the first part of the fill-in. The wait is over. God is on the scene. It's as if he's saying to the people, it's as if he's saying to you and I, no more waiting, people. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for God to rescue and relieve you. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting for God to rescue you. No more waiting. The wait is over. The, the God, God is on the scene. He's, he's here. And Jesus didn't mess around when he came, did he? What did he do? The first thing he does is he calls disciples. Come here and follow me, he said. He didn't wait. Here's a, here's a glimpse at what's coming. 
He didn't wait. He's God on the move. That's the next part of the fill-in. He's God on the move. What does he do? He goes to the church, the synagogue, and he preaches. And, and he preaches with such a vigor and an authority that the people notice there's something about the way this guy preaches. He, he teaches with authority. And it's not just that, but when a demon stood up in church that day, Jesus says, not today, Satan. This is not your house. And, and then as that day progressed, Jesus continued to, to bring the kingdom. He continued to set people free. He healed them. He set them free from demons. And, and then he got down on his knees that night and he prayed. I, I think there's nothing more powerful that we can do to, to press the kingdom forward than pray and preach because that's what Jesus did next. And, and throughout his ministry, Jesus again and again and again, what is he doing? He's rolling back the curse. He's bringing all things back to the way they were, to the way to make all things new once again. I, I, think I think I need to help you understand what I'm talking about when I talk about the kingdom of God. See, maybe you're like me and like a lot of people when the people who heard Jesus preach this for the first time heard him say, the kingdom of God is here, God is on the scene, they thought about a realm. They thought about a kingdom with borders and boundaries and rules and laws and enforcers. They thought about a kingdom in terms of the Roman Empire. It had an emperor, it had soldiers, it had boundaries, it had walls, it had a king, it had a capital city, it had a throne. The people of Israel probably thought about Jerusalem. They thought about that city with big, thick walls. They thought about David's seat, the throne of David in the middle of his courtyard. But when Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God, he was not speaking about a realm, a, a, a kingdom with borders and boundaries and rules and enforcers. He was speaking about a reign, a rule. He, he was speaking about the way that he would come to rule over all things. His, was, his is not a kingdom with borders and boundaries and walls. His is a kingdom where he exerts his rule and his power and his might over all things. And that's what he did. Healing the sick, throwing the demons to where they belong, raising up his prayers to the, to the God of all the universe, getting after the healing the sick. Again and again, this is what Jesus is doing. He's acting as king. Bringing all things under his power, putting all things, as Paul says, under his feet. He's not done. He's still doing it. He's got on the move still today. When you're healed, that's Jesus making you better. When you get relief, that's Jesus giving you relief. When, when you're rescued, that's God rescuing you. When, when something that's bad turns out for, some, for God's eternal blessing, that's God ruling over your life. That's the king on the move for you. The wait is over. God is on the scene. He's on the move. And he's staring you in the face. It's a different picture, isn't it? That's the last part of the fill-in. He's staring you in the face. Different picture, isn't it? 
so far we've kind of been thinking about Jesus and, and have, I don't know about you, but when I'm preaching this to you, I, I have this image of my mind with, of, a, of a warrior on his white horse with, you know, maybe the days of the, of, of the Calvary, right? This, this king, this mighty hero on his horse coming to like stamp his, his I have this picture in my mind, I don't think I can do it justice, of throwing down his staff and all the enemies are gone. It's part of what Jesus came to do. But there's a new picture here when you hear, when you hear me say, and he's staring you in the face. As I say this to you, I have this picture in my mind now of a drill sergeant who's up in your drill. He, he comes to you and he says, listen, people, get in line with God. He's staring you up and down. He's looking down his hat at you. Can you picture it? Some of you maybe can. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that word repent. Because that's what Jesus said next. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. When we think about and talk about the word repent, what's, what comes to mind? I, I would imagine that for most of you, we think about repentance and we're thinking about saying sorry. We're thinking about confessing our sin. We're talking about, we're, we're living one way. This is repentance. It means to turn. We're, we're doing this. We're living in sin. And when we turn away from sin toward God. When the prophets came and preached to God's people, when they said to turn, and when they called the people to repent, it, it was about sin, but it was more about God. See, what is sin except going against God? What is, it, what is sin except being the Lord of our own life with a little l? And when Jesus comes to say, I am the kingdom of God as a hand, that God is on the move, I'm staring you in the face, he's saying, you need to stop living as your own Lord and submit yourself to me as your Lord. Repent. Let me try to get at this another way. When we think about Jesus as our rescuer, trying to set us free from all the troubles of life, what do we kind of do to Jesus? Why does that idea that Jesus is the king and he's going to set you free from all of life's troubles, free from your addictions, free from your troubles, free from your trials, when we think that way, what do we th when that gives us so much hope, and it should, what have we done to Jesus? We think to Jesus, Jesus, would you just come here and, and, and get me out of this mess? We're, we're trying to make Jesus do our bidding. We're, we're trying to make Jesus do what we want him to do. In, in a way, we're trying to be the Lord of Jesus with a little L. Jesus did not come here to do our bidding. He came to do his Father's bidding. Jesus did not come here to make life smooth. He came to bring you into his kingdom and to, make you, and to bring you under him. Yes, Jesus loves to hear your prayers. But as you pray your prayers, we submit our prayers and our wishes and our dreams and our hopes to him. He's the king. Our lives are under him. That's why he says, repent. Put your life under me. 
Listen, I, I know this is another way of getting at it. Listen, I know that if you're like me, you're, you're, you're thinking about the coming year. You're making plans or you've already made them. If you're making plans, you're eight days late, but that's fine. Start whenever. We make plans and I hope that you're submitting your plans to the Lord. But when you submit your plans to the Lord, I hope it's more than say, God, I, th- I hope you'll just stamp this and approve it. I, ho- I hope you're saying... As you submit your plans to him, I hope you're also saying, God, here's my plan. Whatever you want, though. God, God, do with this whatever you will. Because Jesus, your, your king, your, your drill sergeant, if you will, he, he's staring you up and down and he's saying, repent, believe the good news, come here and follow me. Jesus isn't your lapdog to follow you. By his blood, By the resurrection, you belong to him. You're in his kingdom. That little word Lord that we say in the creed, it means that Jesus has redeemed us to live under him in his kingdom, to serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. We live under him. And that changes the way we live out there. We submit our plans. We submit our lives. The things that Jesus calls us to value, that's what we value. The, th- the way that Jesus calls us to live, that's the way we live because we live under him. Dear people of God, after John was put in prison, that was, a, that was kind of a big moment. Mark just kind of goes right through it. But after John was put in prison, the time, the wait was over. God was on the scene. He was on the move. And Jesus did it. We're going to see that over the next couple of weeks. We're going to see God moving. Healing, preaching, rescuing, delivering, throwing down the devil, putting him in his place, helping, healing, forgiving. And God's still doing it today. He's still doing it. He's still calling. He's still healing. He's still forgiving. He's still feeding. Dear people of God, the wait is over. God is on the scene. He's on the move. He's staring you in the face and he says, come here. Follow me. Will you? Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you come to us powerfully in your word. You call us to submit. You call us to repent. You call us to trust you, to believe in you for the forgiveness of our sins, for power and life. We pray, change our hearts. Bring our hearts and our lives under you, for you alone are our king. And then help us by your spirit's power. We need him. Help us by your Spirit's power to live under you and to live as your people, to fish for people, to tell people, to to be part of the way that the kingdom comes in the world still today. We pray, Lord Jesus, help us to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now the God of peace grant you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you. Amen.